Hi friends, and welcome to Robcast 48. And this one is called God Part One. And, and I don't actually have a part two. Um, I mean, I could do a part two, but for some reason it just felt right to call it God Part One. And I have my beloved friend Trip Crosby and his mustache here in the back house with me. Trip, welcome. Audience of two. <laughs> what? Audience of two. Audience of two. Trip and his mustache. And uh, so in, in this episode, I want to talk about God, and I want to talk about the shift that is happening. It may be a shift happening in you, around you, with you and friends. You may have observed this in someone else. Um, and I want to hopefully give you some ways to think about what's happening in our world now when it comes to this tired, provocative, old, ancient, new, fresh, troubling, comforting mysterious, overused, more hand on the pulse than ever word, God. How's that? <laughs> uh, a couple of things before we jump into God part one. Um, this past summer, I did a tour called Everything is Spiritual with a giant triangular shaped whiteboard. And we are actually going to make a film of the Everything is Spiritual that you all can watch. So we're going to be filming... Uh, December 17th in Santa Monica here in LA and would love to have you come. You can go to my website for tickets. There's only a few tickets because we're using this really cool old theater that we found. doesn't have a lot of seats. Um, but if you'd like to be one of the people at the filming of Everything is Spiritual, we would love to have you. And then uh, uh, December 21st, I'll be doing a Christmas show at Largo, which is a club here in Los Angeles. It's a Monday night. Um, the Sunday night before Monday night, the bass player from Spinal Tap is doing a show. So I am literally the night after uh, Harry Shearer from Spinal Tap. And uh, this, what I'm going to be doing, oh my word, I'm so excited. So if you happen to be in Los Angeles on Monday night, the 21st, it's the Monday before Christmas, would love to have you at my Largo show. And then um, I love doing these two-day events where we get together for two days and we just go and you get to meet all these people who are all thinking about similar things and you find out these you have these brothers from other mothers and sisters from different misters and I'm doing three of these two-day events here in Los Angeles in uh, January. One for artists, creatives, communicators, maybe you teach every week, maybe you write songs or scripts, all about the creative process and how to um, create content that means something to you that you would share with great joy for the world. And then um, one of the two-day events is for spiritual leaders, the unique challenges of pastors, priests, rectors, um, volunteers. And then one of the two-day events is for people in business. So uh, healthcare, law, um, education, uh, all of those various areas where it's not an overtly spiritual religious setting and yet you're trying to figure out the balance between work and family and how to have a soul and keep your integrity and how to have a, a, a pace and a rhythm of life that actually works, that leaves you full of vitality. So those are some of the issues we cover. Would love to see you there. All that info is at robbell.com. Now, let's talk about God. In this episode, I want to help you see what's happening with the idea of God. Maybe you have a hard time with even the word God. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe you call yourself an atheist. Um, perhaps something has shifted within you and how you think of God. Maybe you find yourself incredibly hostile towards God. Or maybe you have had 
a shift to a bigger, wider, more expansive God. Maybe you, you grew up with the concept of God and you can't do that anymore. Um, and yet you still have a sense of the reverence humming within you. You still have a sense that there's something happening here. Just none of the previous categories work at all. Or maybe you get quite angry with anything involving God. Maybe you have a sense like the whole thing is a scam. It's, it's all a sham. And we should just toss this word because it's done. Um, I hear you. I'm with you. I, uh, I have experienced every single one of those um, perspectives. So here's what I want to do. I want to show you a way of talking about God that has been very popular for thousands of years. And then I simply want to show you what, what may be happening in our world in relation to that understanding. And I don't mean to share this understanding as a way to say that it's awful because I see all of human beings on a trajectory, on a flow. Uh, we have been evolving in our consciousness for thousands and thousands of years. So in the same way that you aren't against puberty, puberty worked on you for a while. You went through puberty. You're not angry with puberty. You might not be happy with some of those pictures, but puberty worked on you for a while and it helped make you into who you are. You can't reject or deny puberty because you would be rejecting and denying a part of your own growth, development, and evolution. So what you did is you went through puberty, it worked on you for a while, and it helped to turn you into the person that you are. So when we look at ways that people have understood and talked about God, it's important to understand that humanity is simply a macro version, all of us together, of the micro version of you and I, and that humanity has been developing. And we may look back on primitive, barbaric times when they believed very differently than we do and did horrible, shocking things. And yes, we believe those things are wrong, immoral, primitive, barbaric, naive, um, stunted, however you'd want to describe that. And yet... We can hold that and believe that with great passion and conviction, and yet we also understand that human beings have been growing and evolving for thousands and thousands of years. Case in point, we don't have slaves today in our country, and a couple hundred years ago we did. A couple hundred years ago, people were writing novels and treatises and giving sermons on why slavery was all part of God's plan. Now we think that is abhorrent, immoral, unjust, and we just can't even believe that people would have thought that way. So what is it happening in human history that keeps pulling us forward? Obviously, we have a long, long, long way to go. But when we talk about something like God, it's important on the front end to understand that human beings have been wrestling with the idea of the divine and interactions and experiences and presence of the divine for thousands and thousands of years. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to read to you a couple of Bible verses. And whether you find the Bible interesting or not, whether you believe in God or not, human beings have understood the divine at various points in history in some very interesting ways. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some verses from the Bible. And as I read them, I want you to think spatially and conceptually 
about what kind of world these verses are describing. So here we go. Genesis chapter 11. But the Lord came down to see the city. The Lord came down to see the city. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 2. And Elijah went up into heaven. Elijah went up into heaven. Ready? Psalm 68. To the God who rides across the highest heavens. Psalm 104. The God who rides on the wings of the wind. John 3. No one has ever gone into heaven. Or John 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Or Acts chapter 1. While they watched, Jesus was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, what do you notice about those verses? In those verses, human beings are here on earth, and where is God? God is up in the heavens. These verses reflect what's called a three-tiered view of the universe. And, and lots of people have written about this over the years. This is, this is not some sort of new way to talk about what the writers of the Bible were talking about. But what you find in these verses is a three-tiered view of the universe. God is up there, up there usually being called the heavens, in the clouds, on high, the highest highs. We are human beings here in the middle, and then often below the earth, Uh, is dark, it's the pit, it's the abyss, it's ominous, it's the opposite. If God is up, then the opposite of God would essentially be down. Now, can you see how ancient humans developed this three-tiered view of reality? Well, first off, uh, you need sunshine for your crops to grow, and you need rain, and the rain falls from the sky, and the sun shines up above, and you need sun and rain in order for your crops to grow so you can feed your family so that you can survive. So you can see how people got this idea of goodness must come from up, but then when someone died, you buried them down in the earth, so you can see how down would have a sort of ominous foreboding death, um, loss of life, and so we're here in the middle. And oftentimes, with a three-tiered universe came the understanding that what happens on Earth isn't where the real action is, but that what happens on the Earth is just the result of forces up in the sky. So gods and goddesses do battle, and the residue, or the aftermath, is what we are sort of living in. So the action, sometimes the action is here, but oftentimes the action is somewhere else, and then this Earth sort of deals with the repercussions of that. Now, how did people develop this sort of three-tiered view? Well, remember, no aerial photos, right? No satellites, no Google images, no airplanes, uh, no space exploration. So in the ancient world, you just had Earth, and then you had your assumptions about how the whole thing must work. And so many of these Bible verses are using three-tiered language. Jesus came down to earth. Prayers were sent up to God. 
so-and-so went down into the abyss. The Lord came down to see the city. Elijah went up into heaven. If you've ever been to a church service and you've heard them sing a song like, Light of the world, you step down. Those are, that's all three-tiered language. Now, here's the thing. You and I don't live in a world that has this three-tiered perspective as its dominant perspective anymore. Why? Uh, lots of reasons. Among them, we went to the moon. We got telescopes. Um, imagine the telescopes looking out into the skies, and there's no one there. Uh, we went up to the moon. There's no one there. And so what happened, you can see what happened is as human beings advanced and grow, grew to learn more about the universe, is we went up. We went up to the clouds and there was no one riding around on them. We studied the wind and learned that the wind is wind, that there wasn't anybody sitting on the wind or riding on the wind. We went up above the atmosphere, and Elijah wasn't there. Um, and I'm kind of laughing when I say this, but you see what happened, is over the past several hundred years, 500 years, however many years, human beings grew in their awareness of the universe, and this three-tiered understanding of us down here, and God just up there over the cloud or up in the sky, we don't have that perspective as our dominant way of understanding the world anymore. A couple of problems with a three-tiered perspective in the modern world. First, if the way that you spatially or conceptually think about God is that God is somewhere else, namely up there, then what that subtly says is that the world can go on just fine. Because our world keeps being a world, right? We keep, the sun keeps rising and rain keeps falling. Well, not in California right now, but nevertheless, we keep having a world that keeps making new species and there's all this biodiversity and you have oceans and tides and you have ecosystems and you have the reproduction of species. We have a world that just keeps going. And the problem, if your view is of God is somewhere else, is what happens at a subtle level if you ha hold to a, th if the three-tiered universe is sort of the dominant way you think about it, then you have to end up proving that God even exists. You're left with a world that seems to go on just fine, and now you're making arguments for why there even is a God. Here's what I mean. Have you ever heard an argument for the existence of God that just totally didn't work? Have you ever heard an, an, uh, an explanation or a debate of somebody trying to prove to you that there is a God somewhere who cares or loves or is involved, but in some sort of way you found yourself thinking, I don't even know if they could prove that this being exists that I even care or it would even matter. Um, what they did is they started with assumptions, namely of a three-tiered universe, instead of with what is. And so this is why sometimes for you when people talk about God, it just sounds so lame as you look around you at this big, beautiful, heartbreaking, exotic world, and it sounds like they're trying to prove to you that someone somewhere else actually exists, but that thing that they're trying to prove, you don't actually need to have a world. Or secondly, maybe for you it's this. The problem with 
a three-tiered view in a modern world is you often endlessly are trying to figure out why this God who is somewhere else intervenes down here, in quotes, from time to time. You're ultimately, why, why did God show up that time, but not that time? Do you believe that God showed up that time and not that time? Because it would have been nice during the Holocaust for God to show up. It would have been nice. And maybe for you, you heard somebody talking about something really mundane, like a parking space, and how God got them a parking space, and something within you just wanted to throw up in your mouth. Anybody with me? It felt like this God who is somewhere else up there comes here from time to time. Why doesn't God come here during the big things? How about Syria right now? And when someone is saying, oh my word, I just, I just said a prayer and suddenly there in the aisle was that particular brand of tomato sauce and I just knew it was the Lord. And something within you is thinking, you don't want anything to do with that, Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't mean to demean anybody's experience, but the problem when God is somewhere else and comes here from time to time is thirdly then, you end up having to figure out how do you get God to come here. By the way, this is why when the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks talks about how God intervened on that play, so many people just laugh and roll their eyes because it just sounds so crazy. Anybody ever seen that? You've heard somebody talking about something like, and you think, really? God isn't stopping human trafficking, but God is manipulating football plays. And it all just sounds ridiculous. Anybody with me? Trip. And his trip and his mustache are raising their hand. Yes, because the problem is it actually trivializes the divine to make God this sort of meddling character. And it raises all sorts of questions about prayer because then the dominant questions about prayer become, well, I guess I'm talking to this being who's somewhere else and trying to get them to come here from time to time. And then third... If you have a three-tiered sort of deep understanding etched in your psyche, is it can often make the Jesus story really, really hard to grasp. Um, because oftentimes the, the Jesus story can be told in ter- is told in terms of God was up in heaven, God looked down at earth, saw how awful the earth had become, saw that there was a horrible problem, and so God decided to send Jesus And so Jesus came down to earth. From where? Heaven? Where is that? What is it? What is the address? Where is it located? Remember as a kid, maybe some of you early on, you were like, I don't get it. Where? Because none of it worked for you spatially. And so wait, wait, wait. There was a problem on earth. And so somebody somewhere else had to send their son here. And what their son did was get killed. And they got killed by this person, like like God sent his son and then killed his son. God needed to kill his son so there'd be less violence? What? Peace would only come if God killed someone? Can you see how these understandings sound like absolute, not, not even nonsense, but actually destructive? And by the way, if your God does need to kill somebody to make peace, No wonder this tradition has had some awful wars that it has justified. 
No wonder there's a tradition of awful violence. If that is your view, that this God needs to come down to earth or send his son to be killed so that there would be peace, then no wonder people have used the sword in the name of this God to do all sorts of things. Or not even the sword, sometimes just their words to judge and condemn and wreak havoc and destruction and violence in the world. If God is somewhere else and has to kill somebody to be happy, no wonder this particular, that particular understanding of the Christian story could be the engine of so much violence and condemnation and exclusion in the world. So, let's be totally honest. Atheism often is simply the rejection of this understanding of reality. See, that's sometimes why Maybe you're an atheist, or maybe your friend is an atheist, and why, when we talk with our atheist friends, how often we agree with them, and we realize that we don't believe in the God that they don't believe in. How many of you had this experience when you realized that you can see yourself as a Jesus follower, a person of faith, or maybe you're just, you have a deep sense of spirituality, and you realize in the discussion that you were, that you resonated more with the atheist than you did with the Christian, oftentimes it's because the Christian was insisting to you on a three-tiered view of the universe that you don't see anymore. This is also why some of your atheist friends and some of you who are atheists, you're filled with so much mystery and wonder. You have such a sense of moral compass, such a sense of justice and compassion. And so the word atheism, atheism simply means against theism. Oftentimes, atheism simply means you're against a three-tiered understanding that puts a divine being somewhere else, and then you're endlessly having to raise all these questions and answer all of these debates about whether or not this being even exists. And by the way, this is why so many pastors are atheists. They get a paycheck for believing, but when they come to meet with me, what they talk about is atheism because they can't keep holding up a three-tiered understanding that no longer works for them or their people. And yet they get a paycheck for keeping the charade going, and so they keep doing it. By the way, if it's you, if this is you, just stop. Just, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Better to be work at Starbucks. They have better health care anyway, and then pursue a kind of faith that you actually can do with integrity. By the way, side note, we'll keep going. Now, this is also why a number of questions about God are impossible to answer. So when people ask, like, why did God do it that way? Or why didn't God just skip the whole sacrificial system? Or why didn't God, you know, why did God have to let sin enter the story? Or why didn't God just let Adam and Eve? Uh, what Do you see why those... Do you see why when you add bad, ask bad questions, you'll never get a good answer? Uh, many of these questions come from a three-tiered framework of a God who is somewhere else, who looks down on the earth, and then meddles in the affairs of people to certain degrees, and though you end up with all sorts of questions when you cling to that understanding. Now, let me uh, we're going to get to this in a minute, but let me just be really clear. There are other understandings of God as well in the scriptures, and we're not talking about the language. We're talking about the conceptions and the understandings behind them. We'll get to that in a minute. So, this is why sometimes you have found people asking questions that you never thought to ask, or you've had these questions that something felt wrong with the question, 
Maybe it was because you were asking the question with a three-tiered framework and you don't see the world that way. So the very categories of the question aren't in line with how you actually see the world anymore. And by the way, uh, just as a side note, there are all these articles recently, maybe people send them to you like they send them to me about why people aren't going to church or why people are less religious but spiritual or why younger people aren't attending Sunday morning church services, all that sort of thing. Um, in my experience, lots of the articles and lots of the media reporting of this phenomenon completely missed the point. Um, the point being that most of us don't have a three-tiered view of the universe anymore. So when you go into a religious gathering and it treats a three-tiered universe like a literal reality, you don't see things that way. You're coming from a completely different perspective. No wonder it's you, you it doesn't even register. So oftentimes what happens is people are trying to figure out why people are living. It's because of an entire way of understanding God. You have to go way beyond the superficial explanations to the real answers, which are the answers behind the answers behind the answers, the issues behind the issues behind the issues. Because when we talk about God, we are talking about our fundamental orientation toward reality. We are talking about our bedrock views of how the universe is. And everybody has views about ultimate reality. Now, what we're witnessing then is the death of a way of thinking about God. A number of people were handed a way of understanding ultimate reality that doesn't work anymore. Now, in some circles, the response has been simply to double down. Uh, let's just sing even louder and longer. Let's just get even more people in a stadium. Let's just raise our hands and sing the chorus nine times in a row. Maybe you have seen this, which is when in doubt, just make the music better and make the light show better. And I don't mean to be demeaning, but oftentimes it's just in the face of how everything has changed, just keep going with the old conceptions, but just make them more attractive. Uh, and... So it sounds great, but it often has an underbelly of people who are like, I don't buy any of this. <laughs> so uh, the truth is, few things have probably caused more atheism than Christians clinging to ways of viewing the world that sound crazy to people. So it's really important that we move beyond labels and categories that don't work to much better discussions about how do you understand the very fundamental nature of the universe? What's happening here? What's happening inside us human beings? Why do we feel these connections with each other? What is it that leaps in our hearts because of certain experiences? Those are the much more interesting discussions. Now, what we need then is new ways of understanding God and talking about God. It's not that those ideas are wrong, it's just they're not reflective of the world that we find ourselves in. When we talk about God, we're using words and concepts 
to describe the infinite. So words will be helpful, but words will also fail. Words will be painfully inadequate, and yet words will be absolutely necessary. So the thing about talking about God, by the way, I wrote a book about this called What We Talk About When We Talk About God, and the whole book was essentially my attempt to try and help people uh, think of new ways to talk about God that actually you'll discover are often all the way through the scriptures. There are lots of different ways, not just a three-tiered understanding. Um, But when you talk about God, we're talking about the infinite. We're talking about that which is beyond comprehension. And so words will be incredibly helpful, but words will also fail. So uh, one way then to talk about God is to ask are there other images or metaphors or frameworks that might be more helpful? A man named Paul Tillich uh, a while ago talked about God as the ground of our being. And what's interesting now is Paul Tillich's uh, writings are becoming, it's almost like they're experiencing this resurgence because people are realizing, oh, the things that he were talking about, he was talking about as like more relevant than ever. The divine is the ground of our being. Uh, I often talk about God as the electricity that everything is plugged into. So what you're doing is moving from God is up there somewhere else to uh, God is the electricity. God is the ground of our being. Um, Some call God is source. So God is that which everything flows from. Um, In in my book, what we talk about when we talk about God, I I talk about the God who is with us. So the presence that feeling you have that your experience is an echo of a larger sound. So you had this extraordinary interaction with a friend, and it felt like the thing happening between you was like an echo of a larger sound. It was like the thing happening between you was somehow reflective of something as big as the universe. You're at dinner with the people that you love, and the music is good, and the food is good, and the conversation is great, and something within you feels not just connected to those friends, but feels connected to everything. Or maybe you're out in nature and it's the ocean, it's surfing, of course, it's climbing a mountain, it's you're out in a field, you're in a park, you can feel the soil in your toes, you can smell in the fall those leaves in the Midwest when they get that sort of damp feeling when they come off trees and something within you feels deeply connected with all of it. It's almost like there's this divine presence there hanging in everything. Or maybe for you it was a justice issue. You were standing with somebody who was suffering. You were standing alongside of somebody who had been abused, and you were standing in solidarity with them. And somehow that act of feeding, taking water, clothing, visiting someone in prison, taking care of somebody who just needed somebody to talk to, something about that pulled up something within you that felt as big as the universe. Yeah, the God who is with us, the God who is for us, the God who is ahead of us, that feeling that you have in your greatest weakness, those moments when you've been kicked and you're at your lowest, that somehow there is strength and power available to you beyond you. Maybe there's that moment when you surrendered and you came to the end of yourself, and yet that was the exact place where you felt carried along like never before. See, these are all ways of talking about God that put God right here and you are describing your very real experiences of the world or uh, the god who is ahead of us why don't we have slaves anymore because something within human history is pulling us forward 
Another way to think about God would be to simply begin with what is. So oftentimes people get all tied up in knots about prayer because they're coming from a three-tiered view of prayer, which is God is somewhere else, and what have I got to do to get that God to roll up God's sleeves and get involved right here and now? Another way to think about prayer would simply be, why is it that when I name my interiors, when I name my pain, when I name my turmoil, when I name my joy, something sets me free. Something lifts my spirits. How come I have this power in me to direct my intention and my love and my desires for the healing and well-being of another person, and somehow it connects me to them? What is that? So one of the ways, if you struggle with thinking about God, is simply begin with what you see around you. Why are there things that human beings used to do that we consider primitive and barbaric that we now look back on and we've moved beyond those things? What is happening with meaning? Why does human history appear to be on a trajectory forward? What is it? Another way to think about God is simply when you're talking about the infinite, you have images and metaphors. So in the scriptures, you find God is like a father, but God is like a mother as well. God is like wind. God is like fire. You see in the scriptures a divine being who is beyond gender, who is beyond, and yet what we have is we have our experiences that we can point to, and we can say, it's like that. So when people say God is like a mother or God is like a father, they're saying, I have had an experience of a father. I've had experience of a mother the divine is like that. So these are all ways, once again, this is God part one. These are all ways to talk about the divine, to talk about that reverence humming within you, to talk about your sense that there's more that don't lead you to talking about God in ways that violate how you understand the world. So now here's the twist. It's not that the writers of the scripture were wrong, they were talking about God in categories that were available to them. They had a three-tiered view of the universe, so when they talked about God, they used three-tiered language. The problem isn't the categories and conceptions, it's when you hold to them as literal and insist they're the only ways to talk about God. There are lots and lots of ways talk about God. You'll Sometimes I'll say that I was firing up prayers for a friend. Uh, sometimes we'll talk about our souls were soaring. Sometimes we'll say, I'll say I was down in the depths. What is all that? It's three-tiered language and it's fine. It's fine. Do you see the difference? It's when you insist that this is literally how things are versus we're talking about the infinite and we're using whatever languages and images and metaphors we have available to us. If you uh, want further reading on this, an Anglican bishop in 1962 named John Robinson wrote a book called Honest to God where he talked about this three-tiered language and um, it was just unbelievable, helpful, unbelievably helpful for me, John Robinson, Honest to God. And actually, um, there's a new book by a scholar about this who I'll be interviewing in a future Robcast. So here's my word to you. Begin with what is. 
Pay attention to what moves your heart. Pay attention to that which you can use language for and yet it moves beyond language. Pay attention to those experiences you've had that have pulled you beyond just the material surroundings of your environment, but kept insisting to you that there's something else going on here. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about God. Grace and peace be with you, my friends.